This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio and these on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And uh, as you recall, last week I uh, had the unpleasant task of uh, naming a Dimland Radio Science Zero. Now, I didn't have to. I could have just let it go and and ignored it. But nah, I felt, felt it necessary. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about it uh, tonight because, uh, well, last week I named uh, Pendulette a Dimland Radio Science Zero. And uh, I also named him and his partner Teller uh, as a duo, and uh, and their show from uh, from show from Showtime, uh, Penn and Teller bullshit. Uh, I named them a Dimland Radio Science Hero because of their um, anti-vax um, show, and especially the opening to it. But I named uh, Penn himself a, a zero because of his uh, uh, providing a platform for um, well-meaning, I imagine. I don't think these guys are frauds. I think they're well-meaning and they think they're uh, possibly helping. And maybe they are helping, but they're not really... Uh, it's from what I understand, not being very, very, very scientific. So, the, so Penn is giving these guys a platform to spout um, nonsense. <clears throat> And the reason why I want to talk about it some more is because um, uh, Penn has responded to his critics. Uh, apparently, there was quite a pushback, and it's happened before. Uh, he he got a pushback, um, not so much when he had Ray Cronice on his show. Now, Ray Cronice is a fellow that has come up with this 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 essentially vegan diet plan uh, that. That Penn is on. Um, I should recap a little. Uh, Penn Gillette lost a whole bunch of weight about three years ago. He has pretty much kept all of it off, or most of it off. It fluctuated a little bit, but he's pretty much stayed on target. And uh, ever since then, he's gotten, uh, uh, as I put it when I was having problems with listening and constantly talking about his diet. As I put it, as I get it, uh, he's in love and he wants the world to know about it. I get it. But there's just something hanky about it. And uh, so Ray Cronice is the guy that came up with this this plan that worked, that Penn is working with him. And there's all sorts of other people that are working with Ray Cronice as well. Uh, the other two hosts on uh, Penn's podcast 
uh, Michael Godot and Matt Donnelly. They both went on the diet plan. They've slid back a little bit, but they're trying their best to keep themselves together. They lost some weight, uh, a good amount of weight. And there are other people that Penn knew that he got them on it. And he also got, uh, um, more recently, Kevin Smith, the filmmaker, uh, Kevin Smith, who had a heart attack. And the guy's not that much older than I am. He's like maybe like three or four years older than I am. Or is he even younger, younger than me? I don't know. What is, I don't even know how old he is. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. He's not that old. Had a heart attack. And so he needed to lose weight, and he's working with Ray Cronice as well. Shortly after Penn did this diet thing, he had a fellow on the show called, uh, whose name was, uh, or and still is, uh, Dr. Joel Furman. And Dr. Joel Furman has a few nutty ideas and makes a few claims that aren't really backed up by science. And then last, uh, most recently, he had on this Michael Clapper, who also is a doctor, an actual doctor, uh, but he has some pretty kooky ideas too about uh, the vegan diet and and, uh, and water fasting and what it can do. And he made some claims on that show. This is all stuff I went over last week. Uh, and after Penn had Joel Furman on the show, he got a pushback and he tried to explain some stuff away. Uh, you know, about why and all the, you know, whatever. And he did the same thing with, uh, with Dr. Clapper. And he came on, and so Penn addressed it. Um, well, Penn started poorly, in my estimation, in his addressing this Dr. Michael Clapper, who made some pretty uh, astounding claims. Now, I have to be honest here. I did not listen to the two-part podcast. I didn't listen to all of it for the interview. I got about maybe 10 minutes in and I gave up when Dr. Clapper said that uh, uh, they have uh, uh, a couple of cases. I think they're both women who had large lymphoma tumors. Lymphoma is a form of cancer. Uh, large tumors the size of grapefruits, he said, that melted away on the water fast. And uh, so I just, when I heard that and did not hear a skeptical follow-up from Penn, I said, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to listen to this. Um, a blogger named uh, uh, Orac, that's his uh, Penn name, but we also know him as Dr. Uh, David Gorski, who is a doctor, medical doctor, he's a surgeon, uh, under, knows medical science and knows these procedures and such and you know, knows how to look for information about certain claims and, that, and he has an expertise and he wrote a lengthy review of the interview and he pointed out all these problems and one of those problems was the melting away of this tumor which Gorski said that this particular kind of tumor uh, I think I have the percentage correct will on its own 20% of the time go into remission on its own. So Dr. Clapper was practicing, it seems likely he was practicing the post hoc fallacy, you know, post hoc ergo proctor hoc or propter hoc. I'm, I've got to figure out how, I've seen it done both ways, propter and proctor. I, I don't know which is the correct word, but I've seen it both ways. But anyway, what it means is uh, after this, therefore because of this, you know, X happened after Y, therefore uh, X was caused by Y. Um, and, and, and so they said, so, well, this woman uh, went on a water fast and she had this tumor and the tumor went away, therefore the water fast made the tumor go away, but it could have been that the tumor just went away because uh, that's what they do. 
um, 20% of the time. If it's if I'm I hope I'm remembering those numbers correctly. Well, anyway, I base that on on my reaction on Gorski's write-up, and I have a friend who listened to the full interview, and he he confirmed that Gorski nailed a lot of the stuff correctly. That's yeah, that's what Penn did. So, as I said, Penn started poorly in his response to the pushback. Uh, in my estimation, he set up what's considered a straw man, uh, arguing against something that w he wasn't being criticized for, or it wasn't the reaction uh, that, at least not this fan, and not David Gorski, and not others that uh, were on Facebook talking about what happened, and Penn's reaction to the claims that this fellow made. They weren't reacting the way that Penn was arguing that people were reacting or, or indicating that people were reacting. And that was that, uh, that he, he was saying that the, the, the pushback was that Penn is responsible for everything every guest has ever uttered ever in any of the time leading up to and including the podcast. And that's, that's a straw man. Nobody was arguing that. You had a person on your podcast making extraordinary claims without providing any kind of extraordinary evidence. That's what bothered us. You were giving someone a platform to do this. And you see, what Penn, I think, failed to realize, or fails to realize, is that he and his partner Teller had a Showtime program, you know, on Showtime, the uh, cable channel, Penn and Teller bullshit, for eight seasons, at ten to thirteen episodes a season, in which they called bullshit on on ghosts and ghost hunting, Ouija boards, psychics, talking to the dead, lie detectors, uh, the death penalty. PETA, feng shui, alternative medicine, the anti-vax movement, conspiracy theories, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, cryptids including Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster, and fad diets. They called this on the end. It's you know and 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 to be thorough here. Skeptics at the time were, were very happy with that the series out there. They're very happy, but there were some points at which some criticism was made that that uh, Penn and Teller allowed their libertarian political views bias some of their skepticism uh, and that they got some stuff wrong uh, and Penn has admitted that they've gotten some stuff wrong he said we should do a bullshit he says it several times they should do a, a follow-up bullshit so show called the bullshit of bullshit in which they go through the stuff they got wrong one of the things they got wrong was that uh, uh, they were cl they were claiming that secondhand smoke does not is not a significant health threat uh, or a health hazard. Uh, it turns out it is. I mean, it, 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 there's there's a definite health hazard there for, for secondhand smoke. Uh, and Penn later said that yeah, we got that wrong. That's so he was able to say that. And, and there's been some other things, but. Um, you see, for those eight years, those eight seasons, and all those shows, however many it ended up being, 
with them calling bullshit on stuff, with them establishing themselves as skeptics, and Penn speaking at skeptical events, even Teller, uh, the two of them uh, appeared at uh, uh, at one of the amazing meetings, at least one of them, and they did a, a Q and A you know, thing, and both of them were giving you know responses to you know the skeptical ideas and uh, and critical thinking and all that kind of stuff, and Penn has done a lot of talking about that. Uh, otherwise. Uh, you guys have, Penn and Teller have established themselves as skeptics. And then Penn does not get skeptical about these claims. Remember, they did a show, like I said, they did a show about diet fads. And it's not that the vegan diet can't work. I'm not I'm not saying that it doesn't work. Obviously, Penn's lost weight, and he's been keeping it off. He's, he, you know, the, the difficult part of any diet to lose weight, and the difficult part is, it is keeping the weight off. Pretty much any diet you go on, you will lose weight. It's just, can you maintain? And it, yeah, I, I, there's a, a Brian Dunning. He's a skeptic, and he does a podcast called Skeptoid. He also has a video series that he does on YouTube called In Fact. And he's had a recent one where he talks about the uh, uh, a McDonald's Big Mac diet in which he says you could eat three Big Macs a day. You know, Big Mac for breakfast, Big Mac for lunch, Big Mac Big Mac for dinner, or supper, however you want to call it. But, you know, three meals a day. And along with that Big Mac, you have an orange. Now, I don't think he mentioned it, but if you're one that needs something to drink when you have a meal, a glass of water, because you ain't going to get any calories from a glass of water. So, so you get a Big Mac and an orange, you're going to get pretty much everything you need nutritionally as far as you know vitamins minerals that kind of stuff you're going to get that and you're going to get about 1600 calories in a day eating that diet and the US uh, health whatever the, the the ones that come up with these recommendations that that uh, you know the daily uh, intake recommendations that they give you they say that uh, caloric intake should be about 2000 calories a day uh, no more than 2,000 calories a day. Maybe for men, 2,400 calories, and for women, 2,000, but something like that. And if you, you stay under the 2,000 calories a day, you're going to lose weight. You're going you're to be fine. Now, the problem with a Big Mac diet is you're going to get more fat and salt in your diet than is recommended by you know the, the whoever the governing body is. But the average American eats way more fat and salt than you would get from a three Big Mac a day diet. So anyway, a diet can work if you can do it, if you can stick to it. Now, Penn seems to be sticking to it and all that. So when he, when he sets up the straw man, I thought, well, you're not starting very well. And they discussed it more, you know, he discusses it more through his show. Um, and, oh, and, I, and so, as I was saying, he has set himself up as a skeptic. He's had a guy on the show that's that's giving some extraordinary claims, and he's not calling it out skeptically. And I, I gave up on listening to it after uh, the response that Penn gave to the claim that uh, the, the tumor melted. And Penn's response was not... Um, uh, it, it was not even as uh, uh, George Robb uh, of the Geologic Podcast. He had said some years ago, he said that he has found that sometimes the best response to an extraordinary claim, that somebody tells you something that they believe, you know, so that seems a little nutty, a conspiracy theory, uh, you know, something, whatever, 
the best response he said sometimes is just to say, really? And maybe say, really? You believe that? Really? And he says sometimes that's the best response. Well, Penn didn't even give that. What was Penn's response to that claim? He made a joke. He said, he says, why is it that when a woman has a large tumor, they say it's grapefruit size. But when a man has the same size of, tumor, of a tumor, they call it either a baseball size or softball size. Why is that? Yeah, that's, that was his response. That was his skepticism, which it wasn't. Now, he may have had little bits in there uh, where he gave a little bit of a really response. But again, I, I turned it off after that. I'm going by what Gorski wrote, and I should probably go back and listen to it. Anyway... What Penn said in the follow-up show, his own estimation was that the claims that Clapper made were likely to be 80% bullshit. And I say 80%, that's Penn's estimation. And it, what he tried to explain it away with what you know he said uh, about Ray Cronice Ray Cronice's ideas of what he's doing you know he, Ray has even said this fellow's even said that that half of it might be just nonsense yeah, but he's trying to find what works and when he finds what works uh, he'll go with it and if he finds the stuff that doesn't work he'll drop it right so okay but the problem is these guys uh, you know Dr. Clapper's an actual doctor uh, it seems to be using people as guinea pigs for his ideas. And it just, I don't know. And then Penn, like he's, he said, 80% of the stuff is probably baloney, and he's let it go. So this is what bothered the listeners. This is what bothered me in, in, his, in his response. But I will say this. It got better as he went along. His response got better because he reminded everybody, his listeners, and longtime listeners know this about the guy, he is a bit of a nut, and he will try some pretty nutty things. Uh, there's a story he told us about when he decided to, you know, when he wasn't working, when he was at home, he'd spend all his time in the bathtub, in, you know, taking a bath. He'd read, and he'd be in the bathtub, he'd eat in the bathtub, he'd, do, he'd just spend his time in the bathtub. Uh, and he did that for I don't know how long until he started realizing his skin was getting a terrible rash or something because he was spending all his time in the bathtub. So he he's willing to do nutty things. So he reminded us of that. And and then he as he was wrapping up his show, he was talking about how you know there were other people that went on this diet with him, and his co-host did. And he said he, he said they slid back a little bit, but you know they're doing okay. But you know he said I slid a little, but you know I'm keeping up at it. But there are people that went on the diet that just, you know, it did not work for them at all. And they're off of it. And I felt, at least in that part, he's, you know, he's acknowledging that he's trying something that might be a little, considered a little kooky. Um, and, and may not be as scientifically well, soundly based as it could be. And I thought, well, okay. So I'm not taking away uh, the zero status. I'm not saying he had it, but uh, I suppose a pedant might say that I am sort of taking away because I'm giving him half a point, so it's not exactly zero. So he's a, he's like, he's, he's, he's a Dimland Radio Science zero plus one half point <laughs> because of that and because I didn't listen to the whole interview. 
I should have done that. I should have shown him at least that much. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. It does not mean that he can't be a science hero. It does not mean that he's that he's wrong in everything he says. It does not mean that I'm not going to listen to his podcast anymore. It doesn't mean that. It, it just means that he's human, and 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 skeptics are human, and they're 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 prone to having blind spots. Or as Penn said on the uh, uh, on the bullshit show, he you know he said everybody got a gree gree. Which he defined, which which they defined on, on 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 that show as as a crazy idea that people just aren't ready to give up yet, and you know so, Penn's got a gree and so when I listen to his podcast now, if he starts to go a little too long about the diet stuff, I just I fast forward a little bit. So there you go, um, it could be worse, uh, but what is really good right now is I'm going to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I shall return after this break. Looking from a window above It's like a story of love You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. This is Meryl Streep. There's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can. Colorectal cancer. It's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., but it is almost entirely preventable. Screening finds polyps so they can be removed before they turn into cancer. If you're over 50, get screened for colorectal cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Now, last week, 
I talked a fair amount about movies, or at least a, a, a good little chunk segment of the latter part of the show. Talked about the, uh, the, the two versions of the Maltese Falcon that I've seen. Uh, the 1931 version that wasn't so good, and the 1941 version that is a nearly perfect movie. I mean, it's it's just I it's it's my it's it's my all-time favorite film. Uh, although there are times you know you catch me at a different time, and I might say Casablanca is my all-time favorite film. Uh, but the Maltese Falcon tends to occupy that spot a lot more often. There are other films that I like to watch a lot, uh, freak or quite frequently. Uh, I watch The Hunt for Red October quite frequently. Uh, there, are, you know, there are others. Uh, Jaws, I'll, I'll pop that in every now and then, and uh, and, and that. But um, anyway, I thought I'd, I'd spend a little more time talking about some movie stuff, if you don't mind. And if you do mind, well, uh, I could talk more about the diet. No, okay, I won't do that. Um, <clears throat> the it, first, I want to talk about a couple of tropes, movie tropes that uh, bug me. Now, they're not the worst things that are in movies. It's, 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 there's worse stuff that gets, that's our tropes that happen that, that, that can bother you. There are other things, you know, little ones like, uh, you know, the character in an action movie walking away from an explosion without flinching. You know, we see that all the time. Uh, somebody jumping uh, onto the ground, they land in that three-point stance. That, that happens all the time. In action films, and there's one other thing that happens in action films quite often. You, you've probably seen it hundreds of times, and it's and it goes back a long time. The the I have a couple of movie tropes, and the, this one goes back a long time. The other one is a little more recent, but the the one that goes back a long time is the this idea that Hollywood has is that human beings have these super strong hands. You know, or at least or their upper body is just terribly strong. And what I mean is, what they show is, there's so many times when a character uh, is jumping across a chasm, and they just barely reach the other side, and their hands reach onto the ground or the top of a roof or something, and they slide and they catch, you know, with their hands, and they catch themselves and keeps them from themselves from falling. Or there's a character that's 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 sliding toward uh, uh, the edge of a precipice, and they're just they're just you know going at a breakneck speed practically, and they they get right up to the edge, and their body falls over, but their hands catch at the last second, and they hang there. It's just no way. I mean, there's a in one of the more recent Star Trek movies. Uh, maybe the most recent one, uh, Simon Pegg plays Scotty, and there's a shot that I saw in the trailer. I haven't seen the movie yet, but in the shot in the trailer shows him in some sort of a little uh, shuttle thing that's crashing, and he's falling out of it, and it's sliding off to a cliff. And the next thing you know, you see him grabbing onto something or catching it with one hand, I think, in that one, and keeps himself from falling over the cliff. No way! You were gonna fall. You're gonna die. That's what's gonna happen. There's no way. I have to. I, I. It's. It's like I said. It's not a big thing, and it's something that I, I can get past when I watch the movie. But it happens so often. Uh, one of the most recent examples, and I see this in a in a the commercials on TV for it, and that's the that movie Skyscraper with uh, Dwayne Johnson, 
And I, apparently, the, well, the movie came out a week or so ago, and it might be gone now, but uh, because it didn't do very well. Uh, but you, which is kind of surprising because Dwayne Johnson movies tend to do pretty well because he's a likable actor. He may not be a great actor, but he's a likable actor. He's good enough, and 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 he's and he's likable. I've seen him in a couple things, and I thought I liked him. So uh, uh, he's he's playing. It's it's uh, the skyscraper movie is Die Hard with the Towering Inferno combination thing, and. In the commercials that I've seen on TV, he's, uh, he's he gets up on this super crane outside this tower, in which his his wife and his son are trapped by bad guys and a fire, and there's a big hole blasted out in the side of the skyscraper. So it just happens to line up with the super crane thing, and he gets on that, and he's you see him in the end running, at break you know as fast as he can go and leaping across this impossibly Far distance. I mean, to make that kind of a jump, it's just this. I don't care who you are. That's just just no way. Even if you're the Rock, you're not making that jump. Uh, it, unless you're a superhero kind of thing, you got super strength and all that. But that's not what this movie was. It's not a superhero guy. It's a guy. In fact, he's got a prosthetic leg. He lost a leg in the in the war or something like that. He was a security guy for this building. And anyway, so he's going in to rescue his 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 wife and his son. And he runs, and you see him make the jump, and he's the leap is going, and the it, and it looks like he's not going to make it. It's looking like it's like oh, he's just gonna have to reach out and grab it. And you just know that's how it's gonna happen. And of course, you know he's gonna make it. Come on, he's not gonna fall. But the ad at least tries to throw a little suspense in because they cut the scene before you know before you see how it ends however and this doesn't make any sense to me i i, I why would they do this it's probably the one reason i can think of why they would do it is because it's probably the best joke in the movie and they these trailers for movies that are supposed to have some humor in it, uh, even if they're if they're straight up comedies or they're action films with, with some comedy in it, they will put the best jokes in the trailers because they you know they want to get you in to watch it and then you know all the jokes, so everything that's left is meh. Anyway, so it must be the best joke in the movie because I think later in the same ad, they show him talking to his wife. He's now in the tower. Uh, he's in the towering inferno, and he's talking to his wife, and she's saying, "How did you get in here?" And he said, uh, "I jumped from a, su a super crane." <laughs> so, well, you just put uh, spoilers. You put a spoiler right in your damn ad. I mean, shoot, yes, like I said, we know he's gonna make it. It's it's it's, it's the rock. He's not gonna miss. Yeah, you know, we know he's gonna make it. But for Pete's sake, why would you know? Why would you step on the joke? What, must be because it's the best joke in the movie, and you want to try to get people to go in and see it. Uh, I'll see what I can do to find that 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 trailer and, and link to it so that you can watch it. I'll, yeah, and of course, my uh, show notes are all, uh, can be found by going to dimland.com and click on the blog option, and you'll find the show notes. Um, I should also tell you that there's a. It's a bit stormy tonight. It's, it's a dark and stormy night. Uh, it's not terrible. It was it was a bit more active earlier. So if you hear some thunder boomers, well, you know, that's what's going on. And hopefully we won't lose power. Um, so let's see. Uh, the other trope that's bothering me about movies, and if you're a Facebook friend of mine, uh, you've seen it. <laughs> you've seen me mention it. And it seems to be a more recent phenomenon. Not that it's it hasn't gone back at all, but it seems to be 
uh, I, I don't know, maybe Hollywood has come up with some special technology that uh, that makes it work so well that they said, well, let's use it. we got to do this. Or I, they think they make the film more real, more gritty. And that is... They have their characters vomit on camera. Now, in older movies and TV shows, not just movies, it's TV shows too, uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the Netflix type originals, you know, those type movies, and Hulu originals, and Prime, Amazon Prime originals, you know, those kinds of shows, not necessarily uh, broadcast TV shows, but the cable type shows and the streaming things where they can get away with a little bit more. Uh, they seem to think that we need to see people vomit. Uh, because it, what used to happen would be a person would go off camera. They would run to the bathroom. And you might hear the, the sound of them vomiting. You might hear the splashy sound of the vomit itself. You might hear that. But usually they'd, they would run off camera. Or they'd, or they'd move off camera. They'd bend down. And you'd hear them being sick, or they go behind something, so you don't. You they're still in the shot, but you can't see what's going on. But no, now, now it happens right there, right there where you can see it. Because boy, they don't want you to miss a single drop. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was watching. Let's. See, we watched the wrestler just recently. Uh, that's Mickey Rourke's. Uh, big comeback film that came out. Oh, did I write down when it came out? Uh, ah, I don't remember. Uh, I didn't write it down. It doesn't matter. Uh, but it wasn't all that long ago. And he plays a wrestler that's kind of aged out of popularity, but he's still trying to, uh, try, still trying to keep it going. Um, and he still does have a, a legendary status. So if he would would really, you know, they're, they're trying to set him up for a big match at the end of it. And it's a very interesting insight into the world of professional wrestling about how these guys work with each other and how they plan stuff and, and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that the wrestling is fake. Uh, these guys can get hurt, and they do get hurt. Uh, but they have to know what they're doing, and they work things out and all that. But there's, there's a particularly rough match that he was part of in this film. Uh, it seems to be done for more of a gross-out for the audience. They have barbed wire in the in the in the in the in the ring. They have glass that gets broken. They have all this kind of stuff. So there's cuts going on. They're getting cut, and uh, the 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 bad dude takes out a staple gun and he puts staples into. Uh, it actually does it. it. Actually does put staples in. He says it's not so bad going in. It's the staples coming out that hurts, but uh, you'll be able to handle it. And so he does this match with them, um, and in the after the match is over, and we see them go back to the locker room, and there's a there's a guy back there that cleans them up and stitches them up if they need stitches, and pulls all the staples out and cleans up the wounds, glues them shut or staple or or uh, sutures them shut, and cleans them up, and he's doing this with with Mickey Rourke's character, uh, Randy the Ram, and uh, so the Ram is sitting there. And he's getting this taken care of, and he's finally. You know, the guy finishes up, and he says to him, he "says Okay, you can, you know, all right, Ram, you can uh, take a shower now." And the camera is set behind Randy, and we're looking at his back, and we're seeing all the scars on the back. And the camera comes around. Randy's sitting down. The camera comes around. And you see him from profile, 
at that moment, you could practically see the pea soup in his mouth. You could practically see it. And I knew that before that scene's over, he's going to be vomiting. I knew it. I just, I knew. It's, it's, I've become aware of these the telltale signs because they're holding some pea soup in their mouths or whatever it is, and their mouth is just not held naturally. They're trying to look, these actors are trying to look as natural as possible, but you know they, they can't help it. So he gets up, he walks across the room over to the showers, and he's just at the, the, the doorway that goes into the shower room, leans against some lockers, Kind of pauses, and I and I and I said to my wife, and he'll vomit, and he vomited, Boop, down on the floor. There it was. There was. We were watching, "Call Me by Your Name," another good movie, came out fairly recently. It's about a uh, in Europe, he's probably of age, but a young kid, seventeen or so, uh, getting involved with a with a, a young man about twenty. Four or five or so, and uh, it's it's a it's a very nice it's a good film and interesting relationship and I enjoyed it. Uh, there's a sequence in there. There it's out at night and the kid the, the the younger one he's sitting down, and it, it, there's no reason for it to happen. At least that that's obvious unless he's just having some inner turmoil with this relationship or something. And he's sitting there and I thought bye. I bet you he's going to vomit. I think I even said that to Amy. And what's he do? Boop! Out it comes. Why? <laughs> and there were... It's happened where I'm not even watching the show. I'm sitting here on the couch. I'm on the laptop, doing some stuff on the laptop. Got my headphones on. Amy's watching something on Netflix, a Netflix original show or something like that. She's it, this, this happened where I'm doing the thing... Right, and I look, I glance up, I glance up at what she's watching. Just, she doesn't tap me like she's sensing a vomit scene is coming. She doesn't, she doesn't tap me to have me look at it. She doesn't do anything. She's just watching. I look up, and the moment I look up, a character vomits. And that happened twice, within a couple of weeks of each other. Twice, this happened. Different show. Oh. I don't know why they, they need to do that. I do know, though, that I need to take my next break. Uh, let's see. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll come back with uh, some more movie talk and, so, and, and some other stuff uh, if I can get to it. So uh, sit tight. I'll be back. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. 
You're listening to Dinland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. Now you're gonna be quiet, aren't you? So I'm going back on. You're gonna be quiet. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I have a good little kitty here who wants her belly rubbed. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> uh, she came in off the porch, and now she's attacking my foot. So uh, I'm going to try to continue. And <laughs> what are you doing, cat? Sorry about that. Uh, such a professional radio show. Stop that. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, now... I'm going to continue talking about some movies. Uh, I've talked about this in the past, uh, probably before I went on to the, uh, the, the podcasting at iTunes. So, uh, long-time listeners, and I mean long-time listeners. I'm looking at you, Tricia. <laughs> she's been there forever, and that's great. I like it's, She's my most loyal listener, and I do appreciate her being there. I mean, she, she comes to the chat room each Saturday, which you could do. It's at 11 p.m. Central. Uh, that's midnight Eastern and any other place you figure out where you are. Uh, you can go to ztalkradio.com and go to the uh, listen and chat uh, option and you can come on into the chat room and, and chat away. You can sign up or something or go in as anonymous, whatever. Um, and and you know, listen to the show together because I'll be there. So why not do that? You can do that if you want. I mean, the chat room used to be a lot more active back in the days. I don't think people do chat rooms so much anymore. But, well, you know, as long as you're listening. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> I was uh, on Facebook the other day. What was it just today? might have been just today. Um, the, uh, uh, I, there's a group that I'm part of on Facebook that's called um, Incredibly Strange Films. And somebody on there decided to uh, get a discussion going about Stanley Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut. And his opinion was, he essentially said, look, guys, I really like Kubrick. And he listed off a bunch of Kubrick films that he thinks are just brilliant and terrific. But this Eyes Wide Shut thing was just a pile of crap. And I went in to give him some support. <laughs> because uh, when I first saw the movie, the movie came out in 1999, 
and it stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, who I believe were husband and wife at the time, and they're playing husband and wife characters in the movie. And it, and I went and saw it on my own, and it had uh, it looked great. The cinematography is fantastic, and it had and it's loaded with naked women, uh, really nice looking naked women, and not a fake boob in the bunch. It's it's got a fair amount of sex in it, uh, and it's got uh, naked Nicole Kidman. So I mean, it, it, that right there, there you go. There's a classic right there for you. It it on first viewing, it moves along at a pretty deliberate pace as it tells its story. It, it's yeah, and Kubrick's films, a lot of them, move at a deliberate pace. Two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. The Shining, you know, they move at a, at a, you know, they move, they take their time to get to where they're going. And you may not understand where they go. 2001 Space Odyssey, I don't know what the ending means, necessarily. It's open interpretation. The Shining, not exactly certain what that ending's telling you, but it's, it, you know, it's, it still works. I mean, both those films work. They're fascinating throughout. Their tension builds to something. In Eyes Wide Shut, the tension builds to nothing. Nothing happens. It, 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 it sets up several opportunities for something to happen, something big to happen, and then nothing happens. It's just, I, it's, anyway, so I didn't know exactly how to react to it when I first saw it. Second time I saw it was with my wife. Uh, we were. It was through Netflix. It was early on in the next Netflix days. We got the DVD, and we're watching it. And we're laying on the couch, or I'm sitting on the couch, and she's kind of laying against me. So she's she's. I'm behind her, and we're watching this thing. And I couldn't have been more bored. I knew where the movie was going, which was nowhere, and it was just so boring. Who would thought? Who would have thought a movie with so much nudity and a strong sexual content and a naked Nicole Kidman's butt could be so boring. So ugh. Now some of the people in the chat think it's great. They love the movie, which that's great. It's fine. It it's just did not work for me and apparently this other guy. It just didn't work for us. Uh it's ugh. you know, and you got lots of situations are put in there, but it's just oh, it was just terrible. But okay, I've got other movies that I can recommend to you that you would think, because of the nature of those movies, that they wouldn't be as interesting. One of them is from 1957. It's Twelve Angry Men. I've talked about this movie in the past. I've recommended it in the past. We just watched it. Uh, this the past Sunday. My son saw it for the first time, and, and Amy and I, you know, thought the three of us watched it, and he enjoyed it. I said, I think you might like it. I think it's, it's you know, you think you might enjoy what this movie does. And and what is that movie? That movie is 12 actors, 12, you know, th 11 really good character actors, and a leading man, uh, Henry Fonda, just talking for an hour and a half and arguing 
You know, it the, the tensions rise and then they cool off and they, you know, it heats up again and it cools off. It's up and down and it twists around and this it's all just talking. There's no naked ladies in it. There's no ladies in it at all. There's no sex in it. It's just, you know, Nicole Kidman wasn't even born yet. So it, it's just them talking out this case. And it's it's fascinating and it's 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 riveting and it and you get more out of it when you, the more you watch it you catch little things that you didn't notice before one of them I'm going to mention to you in the uh, in the cool three cool things if I can get to them and and it, the one thing that you do notice is that um, you know it doesn't quite reflect real life in that I've been on a jury and we sat around a table to, to, having a discussion but none of us stood up to talk and none of us stood up and started walking around well that's what happens uh, frequently in 12 Angry Men, but they're trying to make some visual interest kind of stuff happening. But that's just, the whole movie essentially takes place in one room. And it's all talking. Temperatures flare. There's some threats made a couple times, but it's all just talking. Okay, here's another one. This is another movie. This one's much more recent. It's called The Room. It's from 2015. Amy and I just watched it uh, this you know this week, and I had watched it before, and she hadn't seen it. And so it was streaming on Netflix. Uh, you you if you wanted to watch uh, Twelve Angry Men, you can watch it on YouTube and pay like three bucks or something to watch it on that. I saw that that today. I don't know. If, I don't think it's streaming on Netflix, but you can check it. Uh, but but the room but Room is is streaming on Netflix. And that one stars Brie Larson and this this fantastic kid, who I don't know how old he is in the movie, but he's playing a five year old. And his name is Jacob Tremblay. He was excellent. He, he, uh, he was absolutely believable through the whole thing. And half of the movie, and I'm going to spoil it just a little for you here, but you've got to figure that they do get out of the room at some point. Half of the movie takes place in a shed. Now, it's a deluxe shed. I mean, it's a big shed. It's got a little closet in there. It's got a bed, a bathtub a toilet, a sink, a little kitchen sort of area, table in that. It's got an air conditioner, it's got heat, it's got electricity. So, you know, it's it's sizable, but it's it the only window that it has is a skylight. And Brie Larson plays the mother who got who got kidnapped when she was 17 by this fellow that's only referred to as Old Nick, who captured her, tricked her to to helping him with his sick dog and he he's been holding her uh, as when the movie starts uh, uh, for seven years and you know he knocked her up and she had this this kid and she's in and and, the, and this kid the only life he's known has been in this in this shed room this is all he knows and it's it, and and it's you're still you're there it's it's you're not you don't feel claustrophobic at least I didn't watching it it's room seems pretty big the way they treat it in that first half of the movie you see room later and it suddenly seems small and they even remark about it and they do get up halfway through the film there's a plan to get out and then the next half of the film it deals with how these two people who have been locked away you know her for seven years him for his entire life how they react to the world when they get out to it it's fascinating and I'm telling you the kid is terrific 
Uh, and there's excellent and Brie Larson's terrific in it, and and her her parents and family. It's just, it's just a really it's a solid movie, and that one is streaming on Netflix. But if that one's not enough for you, there's another movie, and it's okay. So compare that to Eyes Wide Shut, though. It's half the movie takes place in this in a shed, and it's still more interesting than Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, this other one I'm going to talk about. This one we just watched this week as well. It is streaming on Netflix also, and it's called Lock. It's L-O-C-K-E. That's the name of the uh, the, the lead character in the movie, who is played by uh, uh, Tom Hardy. His name's Ivan Locke, and he's uh, he's a he's a foreman for a construction company, and they they have a huge project set up. Uh, it takes place in the UK. And the and he's he's in charge of there's a gigantic uh, uh, concrete pour that takes place the next morning and there's all sorts of things to be sure that are taken care of and be ready. The movie starts with uh, Tom Hardy getting into his car and he, he's driving along and you can tell there's something on his mind. You can see he's sort of thinking away in there and he gets to a stoplight and he's put on he puts on his left turn signal. And he's waiting. And the light turns green. And he still sits there. And the vehicle behind him starts honking at him. He flips this turn signal to right. To right turn. And he turns right. And that starts us off. Now here's the thing. The entire movie is one guy in his car talking on a phone. You know, the car phone thing. The, the, the Bluetooth thing where you can talk through the in the car. It's one guy in a car talking on a phone. And like 12 Angry Men, it pretty much happens in real time. Uh, he's, he, I think the movie's like an hour and 45 minutes, and he says he's from wherever he's driving from, it's going to take an hour and five, 45 minutes to get to London. There's a reason he needs to go there. There's a challenge. He's got challenges to deal with. Challenges with work, challenges with his, his, his marriage, challenges with his kids, and challenges with the reason he's going to London in the first place, and I don't want to give that away. And it's just a series of conversations he has on the phone. Uh, there's two times when he he talks to his dead father. You know, he's talking to himself, obviously, because you can't talk. You can talk to dead people. There's no way you can get them to talk back to you because they're dead. But there's and it's it's absolutely fascinating. The the tension is it's riveting. It's that the tension ramps up as you go through this movie, and watch it. And Tom Hardy is just terrific. I don't know how he wasn't nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor in here. He's the only guy in the film. He's a guy in a car talking on a phone. And it works. Whereas Eyes Wide Shut, made by a brilliant filmmaker, don't work at all. Okay. i got to make this quick for my uh, the three cool things. Uh, one of the three cool things that took place this week. Now remember, I'm not ranking them anymore. They're just three cool things. One of the three cool things was that uh, my son, Hayden, turned 15 years old. Astrologers, put your charts away. Uh, time really has moved quickly. He's uh, he's uh, he's getting taller. His voice is uh, changing. He's uh, you know the things are happening. He's doing a fair amount of sleeping, but that's normal for a kid his age. 
and uh, you know when he's he's he's, he's taller than his mother. Um, uh, Amy is five five ish, and I'm I'm six foot one and just a hair over that, and he's between us. Uh, the top of his head comes to the bridge of my nose. I don't know if he's going to catch up to me and get taller than me, but it might happen. It's hard to say. Uh, and so that's cool. Uh, we sit, we did a simple night. We were we watched The Office, uh, the American version of The Office on Netflix, and had pizza and just hung out at home uh, and had some cupcakes, and it was nice. Uh, let's see. The other cool thing. Okay, 12 Angry Men. Again, I'm going to mention this again, and I'll link to this. Uh, the the movie starts off essentially in the in working its way into the courthouse and into the courtroom. The judge is giving the jury their instructions, and then he dismisses them from the courtroom so, so they can head into the jury room. So once they once that happens, we cut to the jury room. The camera is up high, and we, we the credits. The titles are on there, and we go through those. And as soon as the titles are done, the men start walking into the jury room. And uh, they, uh, excuse me, I have to let the cat on the porch. Get on the porch, you stinky little. Anyway, they come filing in, and the camera moves down and goes over to a couple of fellows over here as they talk to each other, and then it moves over to another couple of people over on this side. They talk to each other. It's catching the conversations from farther back, and it's moving around. And then it gets to a point where the foreman says, the gentleman at the window, you know, can you take your seat? And then it cuts to a shot of Henry Fonda at the window. Now, we've seen Henry Fonda in it as his camera floats around, going, you know, from... from group to group and individual to individual in there. That entire sequence from when these guys, from when the titles show up and these guys come into the room to the point where the foreman says a gentleman at the window takes about six and, a, uh, six and a half minutes. It's all one take. The key, there's no cuts. It's all one take. It's all well done. It's really well done. And, and it's not flashy. I didn't notice it until I was watching some retro review of it. Some young fellow, I think, named Chris Stuckman, he does these movie reviews, and I was, and and that's what put it in mind to, for me to show it to Hayden. I said, "Oh, he might like this," and um, he he pointed out that that's a one long take. You know, you screw up. Anybody screws up, you got to start the whole damn thing over again, and do the take. Um, and then finally, uh, let's see. Um, I watched. I finally watched the carpool karaoke thing that's on the Late Late Show with James Corden. Uh, I'm not a fan of James Corden's version of the Late Late Show necessarily, and I haven't watched this you know carpool karaoke thing or karaoke thing. But uh, Craig, friend of the show, said uh, you should check it out. It's kind of cool, and it was the one. Uh, the one he wanted me to check out was the one with uh, Paul McCartney, and it's a 23-minute. Piece. It's a 23-minute bit. Yes, it's a bit produced, and there's some stuff that's set up, but it 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 follows. Uh, they they took they took the show over to London, and then in that part, they do a segment where they took uh, their cameras and that to Liverpool, and they meet up with uh, Paul McCartney, and they drive around, and they sing some Beatles songs as listening to radio, and then Paul's pointing out places and telling stories, and they go to the house that he used to live in. And he says, "In this room." 
John and I wrote songs together, like uh, you know, "She Loves You." We wrote that here, and and we took it into the next room where my dad was. And my dad was a musician, so we, you know, we play a little bit and play the song for him to get his op opinion. And they were, and he was still living in that house at the height of Beatlemania when Beatlemania was really starting to ramp up. I should say, you know, like when he was nineteen twenty, he moved out of the house, so he was huge and he was telling stories about how that went and and then uh, they head along and there was when they were driving away from the from visiting his house the song blackbird was playing and i thought that would have been the perfect place to end it but no they kept going and i'm glad they kept going because they ended up going to you know they did some little comedy routine which was okay it was cute but they end up going to a pub and uh, that you know, and, and and one of the places that when back in the day, uh, they had played, and Paul says, "Oh, we played all over this town. We played any place that would take you know would let us play." And so they said, "Well, James says, well, let's have some fun at this one." And so they go in. He goes up to the bartender. He, James Corden walks in, goes up to the bartender, says, "Hey, can I?" help you 10 bar today now this is, of course is set up the bartender knows what's going on but i don't think any of the patrons in the bar have any idea or the pub have any idea of what's going to happen because if they did they were really good actors uh he gets behind the bar and some somebody comes up to get a drink he gets something he says hey why don't you go play something on the jukebox the jukebox is just filled with all beatles stuff so she goes up plays puts in something and a curtain moves across from where the stage was and there's Paul with his band and he starts playing a song and they play a few songs and the last song they play is Hey Jude and let me tell you something uh, I'm an old softy because he, ever since we took Hayden to see Paul McCartney play uh, at Target Field uh, however many years ago that was for I don't know uh, however many years ago that was uh, Paul played Hey Jude, and I, <laughs> I wasn't blubbering, but there were tears in the eyes, and as soon as that happened, this tear, and every time the song comes up now, almost every time the song comes up now, I have the moment where, I don't know why, I don't know why, it just happens, uh, maybe I'm, I'm just too much of a softie. Good night, Doctor. Oh, Good well, night. I made it to the end of another wow. show, how do you know, what do you think of that? Uh, anyway, um, remember that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and you should stay skeptical. Uh, this is your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. And let's see, what else is there? Oh, yes. Be sure to sleep with the lights off. We'll see you next week. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.